you are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked On Indians. I'm one of your hosts today, Jeff Ellis, formerly of Scout, formerly of 24-7. We have Pat joining us, and... I talked with Pat earlier in the week because he had a really interesting article about Gabriel Arias. And I don't want to steal any of his thunder here. The one thing I will say is if you've been listening to the show since that trade, I, I've stood by from the beginning that Arias was the centerpiece. You know, that deal got reported as Quantrell and Naylor because they're already in the big leagues. But Arias was the interesting guy. And, you know, again, this is a player who has never played in double A. And, you know, but reading Pat's article and specifically some of where Arias ranks relative to all of AAA is is kind of fascinating. So, I mean, first I want to welcome Pat in, but I also just kind of wanted to set him up so he could explain, you know, why to him Gabriel Arias is the top prospect in the Indian system. And I, I read that article. I'm like, oh, this is, this is clickbaiting me. And then I got into it. And, well, I'll save my reaction for later. But Pat, first, welcome. Thanks for having me. And second, you know, sum up uh, what was going through your head and and what made, you know, all that great information you had there, uh, Arias, as your number one prospect in the Indian system, going well against the grain, which I love, uh, specifically when you can go against grain and you have a well-reasoned, well-researched uh, point of view, it's even better. So uh, I'm just going to kind of give it up to you now and let you explain uh, a really interesting article, which I would recommend uh, checking out from Pat. Uh, tangible underscore uno i believe he'll correct me if i got that wrong but pat take it away okay uh first of all jeff thank you for having me again uh, to be your co-host this is really cool experience to have so far as um this year um you know being here since the beginning i've been watching i've been listening to this podcast since 30 episodes so it's really cool to be here and discuss my own writing on air this is a dope moment and um definitely a milestone in my career well, thank um, you. it's very very nice of you but Again, like I said, yeah. So in this case, I'll, I'll go ahead. I'm gonna go ahead. Completely on its own. Uh, I thought it I'm was such a well done article. That's that's why I, you thank know, you, I thank can't you. wait to talk about it. Okay, so um, Gabriel Rice, first of all, shortstop is my favorite position in all of baseball. Um, it's also, I think, I believe to be the most viable position in the game, just based on um, not just what the statistics say, but um, also what you see on the field at the position. You know, um. It's a it's a central position. The whole game just hinges around a position a lot in general, whether it be fielding in the various facets, whether it be actually fielding the ball at shortstop or uh, managing the run game or other things like that. So, um, it, you know, the shortstop is the captain basically of of the, of the infield. So, um, and for me, um, the Indians have a illustrious history with shortstops specifically and infielders in general, actually, but shortstops for the last three decades, that goes back to nine to Omar Vizquel in nineties. And then you had Adjuba Cabrera in the thousands. And then you have Francisco Lindor in the 2010s. And for me, I think Gabriel Arias could be that next shortstop to be in that line, just kind of based on the tools he has when he was, sent in the trade he was very interesting you know there was a lot of hobby bias comps or not to just because he had above average raw power at shortstop he was going to stick at shortstop as a long term and he has a questionable plate approach but i think that was really lazy but when i looked into his profile and i saw um 
specifically what he did in 2019 after July 1st in high A when he batted 350, 370, I think 562 after July 1st in high A at 19 years old. That's one of the youngest players in high A. And um, one big thing there was the fact that he just made contact at an effective rate and he broke out. He had a 120 WRC plus that year in 2019. That was his breakout season after having disciplined seasons up, up to that point. Um, just to give you some background on Rice, he he um is from Venezuela. He was one of the top prospects in um the twenty sixteen J two class out of Venezuela. I think the second best player, and he was one of the centerpieces in the Padres class that year. So, um, and he also has a lot of connections. He trained under the same trainer that trained Glaber Torres or Wilson Contreras. So there's that, and that that intrigued me. The pedigree and the history that was the main key for me. Even even in the midst of not the statistical performance being there for only a little over half a season, so that was that was the thing that drew me in. And when I look at what he what he's doing this year, as when he started out as the third youngest player in all three AAA leagues, second or third, I think, um, he's literally double his walk rate while being a twenty one year old shortstop in AAA, skipping AA, and also missing a year and a half of baseball. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, the progression in this game, and this is the progression he's shown is exponential, basically, is what I'm trying to say. It's exponential to a point where his ceiling is, which is an MVP caliber ceiling, is become just much more attainable by a large percentage, and that, that must be gambled on simply because of the fact that the present growth he's showing, the past growth he's showing is going to indicate future growth just kind of based on his age. If he's only 20 years old and he just doubled his walk rate while keeping his strike right, while lowering his strikeout rate by 2%, while jumping from high A to triple A, that's, that's just, and getting used to a new organization, that's just unfathomable. And mind you, throughout his career, he's also made persistent adjustments. And I know I can't keep on talking because I don't want to get, talk give away the article because that's basically what I'm trying not to do begrudgingly Um, because I could talk about this guy all day I mean and the fact that he's already at AAA at 21 years old I mean come on now I mean that's that's a testament in itself yeah and that's what and that's what baseball being older this year like I understood the they have all those infield prospects and they want them all to play so they you just can go down the line and look at how it all lined up. And he put and the one that's brand new into the organization and goes against type at Triple A. Hundred percent, yeah. Which is that? That's telling. That's telling. Yes. That is that should be telling. And I think that's a great point. And I think when you uh, DM me the message, uh, DM me the article, the first thing I said to you is that doesn't get pointed out enough. Like when a team goes against type, uh, that is important, and it's something you should pay attention to. Back in the day, I made a big deal about. Uh, you know, if you're a longtime fan, wouldn't have been on the podcast, but someone listening was Connor Capel, who he hasn't hit the big leagues yet. I think he will eventually for St. Louis. And he's, he's definitely performed better than his relative draft position, but he was a 19 year old they drafted. So it stood out to me when the team that never drafts 19 year olds drafts them. And he was always placed a level ahead of Nolan Jones and Will Benson, who I believe were that same draft class. So it was always interesting from that regard. And I think that's a very important point is, yeah, on top of like the oddity of skipping double a, like the last time they skipped a level with someone, 
again, you don't want to put that comp on anyone, but I feel like it was when Jose Ramirez got that jump up to double A uh, back in the day, skipping over high yep. A. Yep. And you know, he goes against type and how they moved him. And he goes against type and just his profile. Uh, you talked about all the improvements. You know, any longtime listener knows I talk about BAPIP as a great indicator stat. He has a high BAPIP in every league he's played. this year. His worst bat pip ever was uh, 326 in only 16 games. So it's, it, it shows that for as much as people tend to look at him and be like, you know, he's he may not hit very well, there's a chance he's going to have, you know, better numbers in terms of on-base skills than one might think. Whereas, like, you know, not to raise one to lower another with, like, George Valera, I, you know, Valera is amazing, uh, don't get me wrong, but I do wonder if he's going to be more of like a, a plus version of Carlos Santana with uh, more athleticism, which is an all-star. That's not a bad thing, but you know, the, the, the bat pip kind of shows a guy who's maybe more likely to have a lower average where, which is interesting to me because you compare two prospects, Arias almost across the board is considered the one with the worst hit tool, but the statistics that tend to indicate hit tool, he has performed uh, well in compared to some other players who have higher rated, ability and again these are both fantastic talents i'm not saying that someone is not a great ability but i arias let's see he turned 21 in january right is that correct or is it yes february february so it's just with everything he has done and you know we we heard so much about when they got jimenez in the deal that this guy was a potential gold glove shortstop arias might be better and I think I think Arias is better. I've seen nothing but sixty to eighties. I've never seen eighties for Jimenez. I've seen nothing but sixties or fifty-five to sixties for Jimenez. I've seen sixty to eighties on arm and glove for Arias. And that's where when nothing but sixties to eighties. Nothing of, but yeah. Part of me wondered again, uh, again, not to compare him to Jose Ramirez, but I wondered if maybe he is the long-term answer at third because of that group. I think he's got the strongest arm between all those uh, infield prospects are kind of... He has the strongest arm in the system, but I think he should be the shortstop just because of the value he offers. Yeah, I I guess Jimenez's arm's probably good enough if you move him there or if you put him at second and you move Rosario at the same time. You know, I just have to laugh. Honestly, I think they're going to trade Rosario, I think, sooner or later, or he's going to put him back in the outfield. They certainly could. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what they do. I I feel like even though there's less control... After how miserable, you know, to take us completely off uh, track here, uh, it, with as miserable as his 2020 was, with him being about league average this year, do you think Rosario is worth more than when the Indians acquired him? I, I think definitely, yes. Definitely. Right? The fact that they added center fields was repertoire so he can play center field and that get, is an excuse to put him on left or right. And the fact that he will probably move to other positions besides shortstop since we know his shortstop defense is not good now. He's going to play second and third or fourth team. Sooner or later, this is going to happen. It's inevitable. He's not going to be a full-time shortstop for his career or full-time outfielder, I don't think. Um, And he must look at it under his belt now, and he should have did it earlier in his career because it would help them a lot as a speedy, super utility guy that can be a good platoon bat versus lefty hitters. That's what he is. It's just it's funny to go back. Oh, that's and think what about. I, I think that's what his peak value is. But that's a really good – that's a pretty good player. That's a yeah. That's a good piece for, for a World Series run. It's funny to go back and think about, like, I remember writing him up years ago, back when uh, Scout was still a thing before 24-7 bought us. And I was sitting there 
during a planning period. I didn't have anything to do like writing up profiles for our top 100 prospects. And Rosario was in the top 10. And it's like, well, he's got plus hit tool potential, plus defensive potential. He's going to be no worse than a utility player. And it's like, it ended up that profile, which was, you know, based on reports. And then honestly, at that time, I was cross-checking like other places to see, oh, am I out of, like you write up your report and you look at other sources to be like, okay, where do I line up? Am I right or am I wrong? And the other sources were in line with me and we all ended up being dead wrong. And it's one of those things where I go back and I look and I'm like, oh, you know, what did we miss? This is a chance to learn from why is he, you know, power is better than we think hit isn't hitting defense, not as good as we think. Uh, it's, it's always interesting. It's, I, I, I can remember that same prospect report, uh, working with Taylor Blake Ward on and essentially him being like, we have to include Leody Tavares and Kevin Metien just because they're top 50 everywhere. And I'm like, one guy is yet to hit in the minors and the other guy is 15, 16. And I never want to bet on a 16 year old. And it's, it's kind of learning to be able to stand up for yourself and say, no, I'm going to disagree. Uh, but yeah, it was, it's interesting the misses on a guy like Rosario where it's across the board. Not to say, again, I agree, he's an incredibly valuable player, but he's a very different player than he was supposed to be. And I think that's that's interesting when a guy ends up being not at all what you know was a uniform belief. You know, we've had all this time to talk about the shortstops here. Uh, we'll talk about the game in the next segment of the show. I know it's an ugly one but we will talk about the game. First, we're going to take a quick break and talk about some of the sponsors that help keep our show on the air. So I've talked many times about rockauto.com. They've been a sponsor for over a year now. It's hard to believe. I am not a do-it-yourselfer. I can't do anything when it comes to my, I can put air in my tires. That's about the extent of my ability, but I can still navigate the Rock Auto site. I can still find uh, parts and pieces for my car. I could change the filters. I can get that on Rock Auto and they have deals and specials. Uh, with those, you can go and find the rebate, but more importantly, I think it's a fantastic tool to make sure when you go to your mechanic, especially if you're someone like me who moves around all the time and does not have a consistent mechanic, uh, you're going to a place that is giving you a good deal. You can double check. You can use this to advocate for yourself. You can make sure that the place you're going is selling you and installing a part at a reasonable price. And if they're not, then thanks to rock auto, you're going to know not to go back there. Remember, when you do go to rockauto.com in the how'd you hear about us box, right? Locked on, locked on Indians, locked on MLB, some form of locked on so they know that we send them to you because that helps us and it'll help them and it'll help you. That is rockauto.com. Make sure you let them know locked on sent you. And it's always fun. You know, I love all of our longtime sponsors. Uh, they are the lifeblood of the show, but it's fun and interesting when we get a new one. And our newest one is from a company, company called Freshly. Dinner time can be chaotic, but with Freshly, it's easy. Their chefs take care of your meals a few nights a week and take the pressure off you. We're all trying to get in shape and eat right. Freshly can help. The delicious meals are designed by nutritionists and cooked by chefs, making it easier to eat better. Stress, tired, just don't feel like cooking food that's fast, don't have, doesn't have to be fast food. Freshly offers quality meals without hard work or prepping, cooking, and cleaning. So I'm going to be honest. I have not tried Freshly yet because I'm waiting to use our deal. I'm going to use Freshly. I think I've mentioned on the show, and I've mentioned on Twitter, uh, I've got a baby due September 5th. I'm waiting to do this deal because during that time of chaos, there's no better time to, to get you know easy meals sent to your door to order from a place like Freshly than during that time. So I'll tell you then what I think about Freshly, but I'll tell you right now, right now you can try a Freshly meal for $6.16 per meal. 
you're not going to find a better deal than that. Stop searching the internet for healthy food near me every night. Start living freshly life. So freshly is offering $40 off your first two orders. When you go to freshly.com backslash locked on, stop stressing about dinner go to freshly.com backslash locked on for $40 off your first two orders. That's freshly.com backslash locked on for $40 off those first two orders. And if you're curious about meals, they have steak, peppercorn, sausage, baked penne, or chicken pesto bowl. Go check that out for yourself today. I will be. So uh, there's the so. Yesterday's show, I managed to avoid the so's in both parts. I was very proud of myself. Hey, uh, you know, Pat and I were discussing this was not a fun game. Uh, have you checked back in, Pat, uh, on it? Because it was a fun surprise when I clicked back over. The Indians have put up three runs in the eighth. Uh, it's it's not as bad as when we, uh, we started chatting at the top of it. And... You got to love uh, an Owen Miller double, too. Owen Miller shown some signs of life. Oscar Mercado with his third hit in the game. Uh, Bobby Bradley gets a single. Fran Mill gets his second hit. It's uh, some nice developments in a game that, uh, honestly, beforehand, Pat and I were talking about the bullpen and kind of some of the interesting performances overall and all around and some of the play, just the bullpen in general. But uh, had you had a chance to check back in to see that things were much improved? I mean, they're still going to probably lose this one, but at least there's some signs of life. Yeah, uh, late yeah, uh, I saw it. Yeah, I saw it. Um, so it, it was really cool when we managed to hit that double. And my bad for not unmuting my mic. I thought I unmuted it, but it didn't work. So that was my fault. Um, I was just talking. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> now they got two on with no out. <laughs> Now they got two on with Noel, and it'll be really interesting to see if they can actually get back in the game and we can follow it live and, and stuff. Yeah, it's it's also weird. Like, I, you know, I was pointing out on the show last week, I'm kind of greatly amused by the Blue Jays' bullpen in general because the Indians, when they made that trade, I think we're still expecting to have hand in Simber right now. Uh, you know, Simber just wasn't a fact. And that's always the danger. Like, I remember when they did that trade and I did my write-up from my wife's uh, family reunion where there's like no internet. And I was just like, okay, maybe I can get this in and up. And I, I managed to, but my whole point on Simber was he's never done what he's done in the minors. And you're, you're putting valuation on a guy who two months out of the pen. He's having another great year, arguably his best year since that rookie season. But it is kind of funny to look at Toronto, a team that definitely went all in at the deadline. And two of their most important pen pieces are Adam Simber and Brad hand. Uh, maybe it's just me, but I always enjoy seeing things like that. The old friend alert, as I call them. But uh, we'll see if uh, Simber helps, uh, can help out his old team by not pitching particularly well. Uh, I, you know, I just don't want to mess with the stream. So I'm just doing the game day update. I don't have it on in the background. Uh, I'm sure if you're a longtime listener, you can, you, you know how my stream can drop here. You can hear me cut out at points. But, you know, looking at this game today, Pat, what? You know, there's there's so many choices. What is the thing that stands out to you? Is it, you know, one of those bullpen arm guys we talked about, like Garza and Henches? Is it three hits from Mercado? Is it two by Fran Mill? Is it that Straws has the hit and a walk and is finding ways to get on base? Uh, when you're going through this lineup, oh, you know, Owen Miller getting a big hit with, uh, the, and then the, the rarest of rarities, an Austin Hedges multi-hit game. Uh, for a game they're losing eight to three, uh, there's been some fun stuff in this one. They have more hits than the Blue Jays. Good call. I hadn't even seen that. I hadn't, you know. They love 19 men on base, man. 19. That's crazy. Jose, you know, it's it's Jose Ramirez. And it still might be a game. Like, it yeah. still might be a game. Like, 
Now, Jose Ramirez is amazing. Uh, yes, he's not he's not having the years of years past, uh, but he hasn't. I don't think he's. I don't even think he's still fully healthy right now. If I'm being honest, I bet his elbow is still affecting him a little. Uh, he's still amazing. Uh, he's just not like top three MVP amazing, which is a really he's high still level. Top twenty player. Yeah. Like, oh, I mean, he's still, been still a like, elite player. I mean, if, no, if I'm telling. Higher. I'm letting. I'm letting listeners know. Like, I'm letting listeners know. Like, he's still been great. Like, he's still been. I was at. Yeah, he's you know it's, he's not even striking out that much. He just no. I don't I don't I don't even know what it is. I don't even know what the diagnosis is. Like it was 2019 was very frustrating because he had so many balls that he hit that would have been doubles that were just foul, like just foul. I know you remember too because I remember everybody complaining about it, and it was just that was that was just terrible. I've never seen a guy break a hamate bone and come back as quickly as he did in 2019. And not to mention, him. he still had a terrible 20 first half of the season. He still had like three war. In, or no, I'm sorry. Like, no, uh, wait. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he had that bad start in 2019. Yeah. And the end of the season, everything though, was going foul. And then he, then he broke his handmade bone down the stretch in like yeah. August. Why they're trying to run down the, why they're trying to run down the White Sox or wild card spot. That sucked. Yeah. And you could tell that really sucked the life out of him because he was carrying them. Like, I really think. If, if Jose is finished the season healthy, he might have been top five MVP again. The the crazy thing to me, you know, I have spent so much time covering like the draft and stuff. It's you know, I'm so used to like guy breaks his handmate, and for whatever reason, there's just no power. Like the power goes away. I saw like a classic case, uh Sean Murphy, the catcher for Oakland. Why did he fall to the third round? I mean, he was at Wright State, which isn't a big program, but the guy had like maybe the best pop time I've ever seen in person. Like he was a legit prospect, broke his handmate bone, like the first week of the season. And just, there was no power all year for him. Chris Shaw was another guy. And the, I mean, there's a reason why everyone's like, Oh, there goes the power. And he was still hammering baseballs. I'd never seen a guy break his handmate bone and a come back as quickly as Jose did and B not seem affected. It was. I'm pretty sure it affects him because he was taking games off and stuff, but. Do we need to remember when do you remember that picture of the stitches that were in his hand? Vaguely, did you? Uh, you it know. looked like a baseball, it looked like a baseball. His hand looked like a baseball, and I'm not kidding. Like, those, those, those stitches were stitches. And you know, I gotta say, right now, is I mean, again, my update might be slower because I don't have it on, I'm just have the game day app because I don't want to slow down this. When you're watching a game by parts, not to go from how amazing Jose is, but I, I think it is interesting as I'm sitting here seeing these updates with Miles Straw on first with uh hedges at second like he's blocked but they still did two attempted pickoffs he scares them that much at first base like that's something they have not had in a very long time where miles straw speed is enough to just be a distraction he's a limited player but what he does he does so well it, it was just interesting to see two attempted pickoffs with nowhere for him to run to he's not taken second in those situations but they're still nervous and I was trying to think like the last time this team was like the speed monsters was back when it was like Drew Stubbs and Michael Bourne. I want to say when it was uh, those two with Michael Brantley in your outfield, it's kind of nice to have, I mean, Jose Ramirez is the one of the best base runners in baseball to go back to talking about him. I don't want to discount him at all, but just that like, I don't know, maybe it's because I grew up in the era with Kenny Lops and it's like having that, that lead off disruptor with elite level speed is uh, I feel like it can change. <laughs> things it can and it's also very aesthetically aesthetically pleasing like it's one of the most aesthetically pleasing styles of baseball if not the most and it will put fans in seats and that's very captivating and this team needs that right now 
especially for an outfielder or center fielder, especially. Um, and I think uh, Straw's glove is going to win the fans over too because he has a very he's probably the best defender to manage center field for the team since Gary Sizemore. No, I think if you're be honest. You're right, man. I loved me Michael Bourne. So in in full like disclosure, the first time I ever got to do a radio spot in my entire life. I was just writing at IBI. I was, it was a Saturday. Mark Schwab was doing a thing on 92.3 and he had read my article and asked me on Saturday to come in and do a spot. So Michael Bourne is always going to be special because uh, he led to one of my few Cleveland radio gigs and my first radio gig ever. But I, the thing with Michael Bourne is you go back to what Michael Bourne was before he got to Cleveland. And a lot of that could be what straw is now. Now, Bourne was just with the elite defense, the contact skills. They might finally get the Michael Bourne they thought they were getting now with Straw. There's my hot take. Now I got to go dig up the numbers and make sure I'm not being like a complete idiot with this. And maybe Michael Bourne had more power than I'm giving him credit for. He was so, he, he was a great player, probably a better player. And so, no, you know, he, even in his peak years, his, his OPS was in the 600s. Very similar. Bourne struck out more. So yeah, I'm going to stick by that. There's there's some Michael Bourne to his game. I feel uh, I feel good about that comp. Yeah, that's so yeah. I mean, just hey, I I love shooting in the dark and being right is a very good feeling. Although um, it's very risky. You can make yourself look stupid trying to do it. So I mean, no, I I know exactly what you mean. Though. Like I don't even know. Like when I've looked for a uh, comp for for um Gabriel Rice, I always run into Manny Machado, kind of based on what I've seen. And what I think I, uh, be. people like to throw Correa at me when I bring stuff up. I'm like, no, nah, Correa was always a mediocre defender. You're, yeah. you're sleeping on the defense with that. The one. glove isn't good. The, the glove is too good to be Correa. I mean, he's Correa's gotten a lot better in the big leagues for sure. Yeah, but, but yeah. I definitely think Machado for Correa, especially with a lot of people like him at third base. You know, just because he's a big guy. It's crazy too in that regard. Like to go back and think about it. So like. Manny Machado should have always been a shortstop. He was only a third baseman because of J.J. Hardy. And don't get me wrong, J.J. Hardy was a solid league average as shortstop. But they should have swapped him. But it was because yeah. he was a rookie and they didn't want to hurt J.J. Hardy's feelings. They were just trying to protect his feelings. Yeah, it's it's crazy to go back and think Machado became a third baseman because of that. Uh, we're going to take another quick break, and I think we'll come back and talk a little bit about some of the Penn stuff. Uh, I'll throw a, a theory that hit me as we were kind of talking about what's going on with this bullpen. But first, we're going to take that break. And our sponsor for this break is Bet Online, uh, another longtime sponsor. Let's go see what their line is for the final game in this Indian series over at Bet Online right now. Remember, when you go to betonline.ag, you want to use the promo code locked on. That gets you a 50% bonus on your first deposit. Uh, right now, some deals they have going on is a $25 risk free prop wager. A 5% Bitcoin boost, $25 of live betting free play, and a half million NFL mega contest. So there's a lot going on at betonline.ag in terms of their line for the Thursday matchup for the Cleveland Indians, Ross Stripling uh, versus Tristan McKenzie. Not a big surprise. The Indians are getting the run there, plus one and a half. Over-under is very high in this game at nine and a half. Not a lot of faith in either pitcher. I would probably agree with the over, and it seems like that is what most people are doing. Go check out Bet Online today. So before the show, we had many, many discussions. One of them, we were talking about Penn performing well. We were talking about Miles Straw, and it kind of hit me. In the case of, of trading a, a Maton, how much 
comfort or how much more comfortable do you think they were due to like what someone like Garza has done this year? Someone who, I, I mean, mean, no one really considered him a lot a of good arms guy coming in. They have a the lot year. of good arms. Yeah. They have a lot of good bullpen arms right now. They really figure out how to develop bullpen arms in one or two years and evolve pretty much right to the majors in one or two years. Like they have three or four. No, four or five long-term bullpen pieces, and they still have Cam Hill. They still have Kyle Nelson. They have to figure out with Robert Broom. They have so many guys to to sift through and, and see who's going to stick against the wall and who isn't. No doubt, and it's one of those things too. Like, like I said, coming into the year when I was talking about guys, you have to add the forty-man Garza wasn't part of that. Uh, Francisco Perez wasn't part of that. Perez, you know, is the former high prospect who was kind of a forgotten man. It it speaks to the value in doing that. Isn't he converted pitcher? What? Wasn't he a converted pitcher? I I can't remember. I feel like I got to dig his whole story up, but I feel like there was a time where I looked at him when he was like an A ball. Right now, I want to say he's a lefty, but I feel like I'm wrong in that. You know, he was down there as a a starter, missing a ton of bats, and I was like, "Who's this guy?" And he was a player that I I kind of slipped into like the twentieth overall spot uh, in a rank or something like that, just because he was down there in those lower minors. Yeah, he is a lefty. Okay, so that was correct. 2017 down in Mahoning Valley. They do a strikeouts per nine on the MLB page. Uh, no, they give you a lot of stats, but not that one, apparently. In 74 innings, he struck. Well, he struck out 48, so it must have been 2018 in Lynchburg. We had 111 and 139. But it was, it was just like decent strikeout totals for a lefty at that level. You know, He just kind of got stuck. He was a starter all those years. I think there were some health issues as well. Uh, in 2019, yeah, because only 28 innings. So he's just a great story in the fact that he's he was an afterthought. I For most evaluators, he was an afterthought. I doubt you'll find anyone who had a top 30 coming into this year that had Franklin Perez on it. And not to say he's necessarily going to make a top 30 list, though I probably would squeeze him into the back of mine. But just the performance of, of him and some other guys really makes it a lot easier to... Maton's been good, inconsistent, but good. And it's a lot easier to move on from that guy when you've got... Perez's and Miklo Jack and Justin Garza pitching the way he has. Whitgren has been a great organizational soldier and has ate so many innings for this team, but they'll save $2 million when they don't pick up his option and open a roster spot. So that's, that's probably going to happen. It's going to be interesting to see, but they Tito loves his vets and Tito isn't there anymore. Uh, and we're seeing that in, I mean, Henches is back-to-back nights pitching hardly been used this year or, you know, since July, he hadn't pitched since like July 8th. It's nice to see DeMarlo is willing to take that gamble on youth that we haven't seen so far this year. Yeah. And he did it real fast too. It's funny. We all like collectively complained about Brian Shaw and then he like turns around and, and flips the switch immediately. No, I've been, I've been enjoying him. Like he, he had a few things where he kind of stuck to old school, but he started to, He's really settled in it lately. Yeah. He's really, he's, I think really he's doing a better job. I'm very curious. To I, think they, I think they kind of, I think he was kind of scared or kind of timid at first or cautious, maybe. No, I agree. And, and I think that's, that's what plagued Sandy Alomar. Like, I feel like Sandy took that job last year and I, I still don't know if he can do it well, but it didn't go well because he was trying to, instead of being Sandy Alomar, he was trying to be Tito Francona. Mm-hmm. And I feel like with the Marlowe, he he start like the first few games was ten, but now he he's being himself and he's doing things that yeah. we haven't seen this year, and that's that's awesome. Yeah, and the, the positions he's switching guys up at positions too, and he, the, I like the logic he's doing with the line of construction, with the way he's kind of playing around with the order and stuff right now, in, in little ways, trying to trying to push guys' buttons. I I really enjoy how he's kind of attributing the 
Dowfield played play appearances right now. I think that's really cool. I think that's really been handled well all season, besides Daniel Johnson not getting enough PAs. Yeah. I just don't see how you can not let those tools try and figure it out in, in the right field, honestly. It just doesn't make any sense. And the glowing reports, I got it. You know, it's not to be this dude, but the last time I got this many glowing reports on a dude who did not get, like, a fair shake by my opinion did not get the opportunities so everyone's like this guy's got legit power and does everything right was eric haas so uh take that for what that's worth but the last time i got like glowing reports on a kid who just worked their tail off did everything right and had some real power uh and did not get an extended look it was eric haas and are going why is he talking about eric haas don't go look up the numbers it's just going to depress you (laughs) the year he is having i believe he would be third on the team in home runs if he was still in cleveland uh, just to give people that heads up. I agree. Sometimes you got, he's got the best arm in the minors. He's a plus runner. It'd be nice if he got it. You know, I got into an argument. We're going long, whatever. We'll go long today a little bit. You know, I got into an argument with someone who was like ready to cut Yu Chang. The same thing kind of struck me with Yu Chang. Like he was so up and down. He never got like a consistent look. I felt like, like I expect Yu Chang and Daniel Johnson to, to latch on somewhere else and, I'm not saying they're going to be stars or studs, but I wouldn't be surprised if they end up having a few games where they're like a two and a half win type of guy. Uh, Just when they kind of get a fresh start and a chance to just play every day. I don't know if you have any thoughts on on Chang as well, or just Johnson. Honestly, it's it's, it's kind of the same. I think Chang has a little bit less intrigue to me, but I mean, I think he can definitely be a serviceable major league player for somebody's team sooner or later. (laughs) Man, Jose Ramirez makes me look like a moron. Thank you, Jose. I, I appreciate that in the middle of the show. What happened? No, oh, oh, uh, 24th oh. home run of the year. Nice. <laughs> Eight they're, to five. they're chipping away. Yeah, they, they certainly are. Uh, I always appreciate looking dumb as long as it's something that benefits the Indians. I'll t- I, I tweeted out when Corey, Cody Morris got his promotion about how he was my sleeper in 20, 2020. It was. It wasn't. I can't take credit back to 2019. Use my sleeper heading into 2020. So if I'm going to take credit, I also have to point out when I horrifically miss and after spending some time talking about Jose Ramirez having a down year and maybe being a little beat up again, relative down year. When you're one of the top five players in baseball, uh, down year from you is relative to, uh, I would, I wish every player was performing at Jose Ramirez's down year. Pat, you had that article. We talked about some of it, but I still think everyone should go and read uh, your piece on Gabriel Arias. He didn't even talk about on the show today, like Arias's stats relative to all of AAA. Uh, and that's a great reading. That's stuff you want to go check out as well. There's a lot more to that article. Uh, make sure to go find Pat and read the article on Arias. It didn't shift me from number one. I'm still like in the Nolan Jones camp because I just think his plus power is uh, power is something that's hard to acquire, but definitely made me think like, okay, he's make yeah. I, I need to kind of reevaluate because everything he's saying is, is often things that I look at and I might be a little too entrenched on some of my thoughts on players. So it, it probably caused me to shift Arias up a little bit in personal rankings. Didn't take him all the way to one, but it definitely shifted my thoughts. So you definitely should go check out that article. Pat, where can they find all of your work? Um, you can find my work on medium at tangible.medium.com. You can find me on Twitter at tangible.unscore. Um, I work for official, uh, I work for an Indies Insider covering high A um, at official underscore IBI. And um, yeah. I want to thank everyone for listening. Uh, dealing with my random coughing fits. I swear I'm healthy. 
uh, just just the fun of life sometimes, right? I have been Jeff Ellis. This is, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Jeff MLB Draft. Make sure to go check out Pat's stuff at tangible underscore Uno. Uh, again, it's all great work and it did shift my thinking. So go definitely check that out. And for the next year, go Tribe. And after that, I think many of us are looking forward to saying go Guardians.